Welcome to the New Zealand International Film Festival podcast series. Today's Q&A follows the screening of The Gift, The Journey of Johnny Cash. Director Tom Zimney is in conversation with Sally Woodfield. Thank you all for staying and joining us today's Q&A with um, Tom Zimney. Tom, um, tell us about how you first came to make this film. Uh, first, thank you everyone for staying and, and, and uh, you know, it's, again, it's great to share this time with you uh, in the festival. I, I got this film um, by working on a film about Elvis Presley and um, they told me, the Cash Estate told me that they had seen it and were really interested in my approach and wanted to chat with me. Um, years back, I met Johnny Cash's son John Carter, and I had talked to him at length about loving the music of Johnny Cash, so he recalled that, and uh, they reached out to me, and that was the start of the process. And so w when you when you had this approach from them, what, what was your way into the film initially? I mean, when I first started, when I first got the green light on the project, um, the first thing I did was start to talk to John Carter. It was really important to get a sense of him and the family and just also hear from John Carter some of the things that he thought was missing in the narrative of his father. And we had this one conversation that dealt with um, just talking about his writing and the beauty of his writing. And, and that was one of the things that I took note of early on that I would get that across in the film. And the other thing was um, his first marriage to Vivian because I felt like the books that I was reading and the films that I had seen had put her in a place that um, didn't feel real. It felt very, um, she was a footnote in, in this narrative and I didn't want her presence in the film to be lost. Yeah, we definitely um, see her coming through in this film and in a much more uh, involved way than in other areas of uh, films and books and things that we've seen with Johnny Cash. Um, Folsom Prison fe features, that concert features quite heavily. We return to it several times and it, it seems to be quite a hook around the film. What was important about that particular concert um, and, and what Johnny Cash did there? Uh, Folsom Prison uh, I, I love the the album. I always related to this concert. I love the energy of it. But when I started to put together all the themes of Johnny Cash, the person, I realized that Folsom was this reflection of who he was. The set list itself gave me um, an understanding of Johnny, the gospel side of the set list. The, the light and the dark is right there in the music. And I thought, uh, much like the Elvis Presley film, I thought that... I didn't want to tell this story in a straight, linear fashion. I wanted to interrupt the story and go back to a time, one chapter that I thought was important. And I did that with the Elvis film. I would go to the 68th special. And with this film, it was Folsom Prison because I, I love those moments in one's life where everything is coming together and it's sort of a reflection of the whole journey in many ways. And, and also, you know, not romanticising the, the relationship with Johnny and 
and June June Carter, you know, while and and the imagery, the beautiful photos of them together, just you can see the love coming coming through. But it wasn't all, you know, roses. I I think when I've worked on these stories, you you get this shorthand that's repeated again and again, and it's really it's really important for me in the editing room and also when I'm taking the whole film in to really tear down those versions, which is Johnny meets June, everything's great, we fade to black. And we just know, like, excuse the fade to black pun, but um, it, it, we just know that life is much more complicated than that. And I feel like as a viewer, I always feel cheated if it's, if it's broken down, relationships are broken down that way. But at the same side, I don't want to get into anything salacious because I'm not really, I'm not interested in that. I'm, I'm interested in, with Johnny Cash especially, I was interested in that passage of, of finding and, and discovering the love he had for June, but then the next steps of love. And, 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 and the birth of John Carter was an important chapter, but also the, June's presence throughout uh, being this grounding force. When June passes, the one thing he goes back to is the studio because he made her a promise that he would continue. And and I love that idea of a partner that way, and I love that idea of his commitment with June. But it can't be a simple narrative. I think they struggled, and I tried to show that as much as possible without falling into gossip. And, and looking at you know the, the style of the film and, and the way you've brought together... Uh, stills and moving footage and all that wonderful audio recording. Now, I know that um, the, the film started off as something slightly different and there was, there was there's a discovery of the audio recording archive that, that was a huge thing. Tell us about that. What, what, when you're making these films, um, you gather all this archive. You, you have a, a producer and he gets every Johnny Cash radio show and then you go online and you find something so you bring that in I was trying to bring Johnny Cash into the room and I was building pieces and sometimes he'd repeat a story and then sometimes you'd figure out wait a minute this is something that he would just say in interviews all the time and I remember sitting with the editor and I, I just said to him I'm, I'm just not happy because I was telling the story through a little bit of Johnny Cash writers and musicians. And I remember the section we were working on, it was about Johnny as a child and his influence in music and his dad being tough with him. And uh, I turned to the editor and I said, it's just not gonna happen unless we get Johnny Cash. And he looked at me and he said, forget it, it's not happening. And the next day I had this interview where at the end of the interview, it was with an author who worked with Johnny Cash. And at the end of that interview, he turned to me and said that he had listened to some tapes recently of Johnny. And I asked him what tapes he was talking about, and that was the discovery of the 60 hours of unreleased Johnny Cash talking into a cassette, not on you know, any stage or in front of any cameras, having a conversation with someone he really trusted, and um, talking in, in the the way that you hear in the film, which was not sound bites, a, a conversation, a confessional moment, and calling him from being on the road, calling from payphones or calling from a hotel room, 
completely uh, the kind of energy and the kind of narrative I was dreaming of. So I told John Carter this, and and he said, "Yeah, I, I, you know, we'll get you all the tapes." And and then the one thing that John Carter told me that stayed with me for a long time was that since his father's passing, there's moments like this where you have this thing that you discover and he feels it's a presence of his dad, you know, that his dad was looking over the film and, and guided us to the right place. That's, that's really lovely. I mean, in the, the way that you melded together the, the audio recordings with, you know, the imagery and other, other footage that you've obviously, you know, found or shot, um, at times, you know, you really actually feel like we're on the tour bus with with Johnny, and yet you have that feeling of him him just chatting away to you, which is is something quite special. Um, with um, with with this film, I found for myself, I don't know about others, but there's just those little bits in it. There's just particular scenes that just hit you in the gut, you know, and just oh, that really affected me today. I've seen the film a few times, and. You know, and I hear that we might be able to see it, see it further soon. Yeah, uh, hopefully, not hopefully. In a few months, it's going to be on a platform, a streaming platform, so it'll be out there. And and uh, I'm really grateful for that, just to have an audience. So, so are there moments in the film that are particularly special to you that hit you in the guts? I mean, so much of the stuff is, um, yeah, there are some moments. Um, I try to always put in, I, I, I guess I, I, I want to say they're secret, secret things that I'm deeply connected to, but they're not secret if I'm revealing them. So, um, you know, I look at the ending and that's a song that I've always connected to. And, and um, I knew that I was going to figure out how to get that last song into the movie. Um, I Hung My Head is a song that lyrically doesn't have anything to do with the narrative, but musically and tonally, it's exactly the song that I had to put in there because it's about carrying on for me. And, um, you know, I, I, reference, I reference a lot of my own life experiences, um, and I... I carry them around and, and then I secretly find a place to drop them into the narrative of the movie I'm working on. So it's really satisfying because I can see it play out in an audience and, and, and people connect to it. But also I, I have this journey with that song. Um, the song Spiritual I'm referencing at the end was something that I, I discovered before I had the Johnny Cash movie, and, and I thought the vocal was so powerful, and to think that he was singing that song at the end of his life, um, you know, it, it really, I, I have this thing of getting obsessed about a track or an artist, and then I just play it and play it and play it, and then hopefully it'll land in, into the work, so. That's, I think the end of the movie is really special for me. I think the beginning of, um, just seeing the tree and hearing Johnny Cash's voice. There's small, quiet things that play out uh, that still get me. And, um, you know, a lot of it uh, is, a lot of it I'm grateful for because I think they, it just happens and I'm smart enough to get out of the way. So I don't take a ton of credit for these things. They just, they happen in the edit room. That's for me the magic. 
Yeah, certainly a bit of certainly a bit of magic there, um, Tom. As well as you know, this film obviously you've done Elvis Presley, The Searcher as well, and quite known for working with Bruce Springsteen now for some nineteen years. Yeah, how different is uh, making something like uh, The Gift and The Searcher to what you do with uh, Springsteen? You know, there, the it's an interesting question. I I think. You know, working with Bruce, um, I obviously have that direct dialogue with him. That's the biggest difference, where I can sit in the edit room or I'm working on a film with him right now on his new album, Western Stars, and we're making it together. So there is there is the the uh, direct back and forth where these other, obviously with Cash and, and Elvis, I didn't have it. I had, to, I had to have that mental conversation at times. Um, but with Bruce, there's there's an awareness of of his journey as an artist that's very similar to Johnny Cash and Elvis, where my goal in the filmmaking process is to remain focused on the music, be honest, but not go down any road that takes us out of it, that, that you feel like, all right, I've heard enough about Elvis and all the drugs he used or any of the character defects. The same thing with Johnny Cash. It's, I think... For me, working with Bruce, um, the music has been the priority in the narratives that we've made, and that certain level of honesty and, and work ethic comes through in, in my work. And I carry, I carry his process uh, along with me every day when I'm cutting. And uh, after 19 years, there's a lot of things that I can just see that I think, well, that's a Bruce thing. Uh, but you know, again, I'm grateful for all this. And actually, talking about the music, I mean, there can be a temptation, I think, to go towards the greatest hits. And, 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 but with this film, you had some very particular uh, ideas around what music to include. I, I, I always... I, I, when I was growing up, there would be these specials on TV, on VH1, and they were these rock stories. And, and there were bands that I loved, and... At times, they just played the greatest hits. They would play a little bit of it. They come in on the chorus, and then I would be out of the movie and I'm just not in it. And it, I realize it takes you out. And um, I always want to try to create this dream. You're in in their world, and starting with a song that you know you recognize, but then the second song, the main title song was a song that's not a hit. It's not a greatest hit. It makes you work, and it, it draws you in. And, and for me, it's very satisfying um, to hear Johnny Cash play Ring of Fire in the dock because it's not the one we know. So it's a familiar feeling, but it keeps you engaged. And it's the same thing with stills and archive, not to use anything that you feel has been out there again and again, representing a time, a passage, or a chapter, it's it's really important to me to tear down uh, the iconic image, find stills of Johnny Cash that make him um, that that read in the narrative. So if Johnny Cash is struggling with addiction, then it, it, we're not going to go to a, a, a studio shot where he looks like it's a publicity still because it's a free still. I, I always search out for images that remind 
you of him as a human. Same thing with Elvis, which was much harder. Because there, there's, there's hardly any shots where Elvis, I, it just took a lot of work. Where Johnny Cash, he, 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 could, he could be there and present. Elvis just was too good looking. <laughs> um, I can take, we can take a few questions from the audience if, if anyone's got some. Just wait for the microphone to come to you. Um, I'm just interested if um, when you found the archive of tapes, whether or not that kind of took you back to completely restructuring the documentary or whether or not you already had the structure of the documentary and you used the archives to fill in gaps. It, it completely reworked the whole movie. You know, I, um, I remember I was working with an editor and... and the moment those tapes came in, I, I realized, well, wait a minute, gospel can be this even more now because he's explaining it. And this could be this. And, and I had to throw away everything. And it, it's, it's a great and scary feeling because you have this feeling of I'm building the movie, I'm building the movie, and then all of a sudden one thing comes in and changes the course of it. And, and for me as an editor, I, and working with Bruce, I've learned to um, be brutal with myself and say, well, it's great, but it's gone, you know, and, and hopefully it, 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 those decisions pay off. But the audio tapes, um, the, big, the bigger thing about the audio tapes besides the content is that, is that it had the musical quality and the voice that I wanted. You know, Johnny Cash could read an instruction manual and you'd be like, so, hearing Johnny Cash talk is just a blessing. So Elvis has got the looks and Johnny had the voice. Thank you. Um, I really despised Walk the Line um, because, I'm sorry if that's offensive for anyone here, um, I, I actually teach singing and I actually found that the thing that makes a person or an artist is their voice and it's a very sonic thing. Um, but also I read around the time of that making of the movie that Roseanne and the family, the Cash family, were actually really upset with the way they'd omitted his faith from the narrative. So all I have to say from my heart is thank you so much for creating such a beautiful documentary that actually just um, gives justice and a proper narrative to rectify what Hollywood did. <laughs> Question. I, I, I um, I'm, you know, I, I'm so grateful to, that that Roseanne spent the time, and then also, you know, Johnny on those audio tapes talked about that first marriage and and the impact of the children. So, you know, I, it was it it was one of the themes that haunted me that um, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I wanted to make sure that her presence was real. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate your comments, and I'm grateful. Uh, yes, uh, again, thank you for the film. Two questions. Uh, first, if you could just, um, who the uh, interviewer was that actually was the genesis of all those tapes? And the second question would be, out of all the contemporary voices on the, on the film, if you could add one more that you couldn't get, who would it be? That's a great question. Um, the first, the person who worked on uh, the book with Johnny Cash was Patrick Carr, and he was the author with Johnny Cash on a bio in the 90s, 
and he is actually in the beginning of the movie. He says to him, um, I, you, know, he, you hear his voice off screen. He's talking to Johnny, and he's also at the end of the movie. He says, uh, "What about your gratitude list?" And this is this is the level of conversation the guys were having. This is the spiritual bonding that they had together, where um, at the end of an in interview session, they would just go through a gratitude list. Um, so um, the person that I really wish I could have had in this was um, someone I interviewed for the Elvis film. Um, I didn't know him, but I bonded with him in the small time, uh, was, which was Tom Petty. And I uh, sat with him in his home, and, and he was so thrilled that I was spending time on Elvis. Uh, he would have been great for this film. So that's like, the only voice that I, I wish I could could have included. Over you. Thanks. Uh, I, uh, I like the way you used the, the bus through the, through the movie and I saw that it had JC above the windscreen and uh, I just wondered whether that was going to be part of the movie right from the start or whether where it came into the, the way you did the movie. You know, um, it's one of those things that I, I've learned from other people which is um, to... While on set, there's so much that you can't control. And we had this rented bus, and it took a lot of work to find the right bus because it just had to be the right bus. And there, there was this some, something of um, a bunch of letters coming up, and, and I realized we need to have JC up there. So I had the art department come in and set that up. But that's, that's the... You have to get in the space of... You know, what's in the bus? What do you do when you're traveling on the road in the 70s? How does that bus look when you're an addict? How does that bus look when you've been traveling all night? The bus couldn't just be one note. And at that point, I didn't build the movie out. I had, I had to imagine the different emotional tones. So I would work with a cinematographer and an art director and say, you know, this is about... Johnny being an addict at this point, and they'd look at me, and, and then I'd say, well, look, the bus window, it's broken. Let's throw this still on there. Let's get the light to pour through it. This is going to be the moment of, don't worry, I know, I don't, you know, and, and you all, you're trying to explain something that doesn't exist, but you're chasing tones. And when I say art-directed, it's really small details. You know, pictures of his brother on the bus, I added maps of the time. You, you start to really think, like, what would be there? What feels real? And then sometimes you find something really cool, and then you put the camera on it, and it becomes a prop. And you're like, mm, it's just not reading. So it's this fine balance of, I never want it to be, um, think you're thinking, like, oh, they're recreating. I, I want it to be a dream. And that's why I don't show anybody, and that's why it's really, I, I don't know where it came about, but with Elvis it, it developed, which is space is character for me. And um, I'm trying not to think about it too much because it's happened a couple of times in these films. But I think it's the limitation of, of not having actors, but knowing that I need to go and travel around their worlds of these artists. So. There was a comment in the movie that the record company uh, would prefer him in prison rather than in church. 
and yet you put his spirituality sort of very front and centre in this movie, and I wondered if there was any dilemma about doing that and risking it might be unpopular because of that, or what your thoughts were. I, I, I always felt like I had this basic understanding that of Johnny Cash's journey being spiritual, based on the music he recorded and, and films and he had made. And, but then I realized in, in talking to his son that it, it was a much bigger connection uh, than I could ever have comprehended. So I wanted to make a film that you could step into this and just have a sense of a spiritual presence, but also not be told what, exactly what Johnny's point of view was, or the film itself to say, this is the sense that is, this is the point of view of the film. If anything, the, the film, I wanted it to have a sense of music was a higher power uh, for Johnny and for a lot of people, and that you could see how the journey of life can be um, difficult, but one could reboot, reconnect, through the power of this music, and that Johnny himself did it throughout. That was my spiritual journey that I wanted to convey. And um, I, I was talking to one of the producers in LA, and he said, you know, this is really a religious movie, but I'm not religious, but I kind of like it. And I thought, well, that's the guy I'm working for. You know, it's just like, I, I didn't want it to um, take the conversation in any direct way, but not, also I didn't want to knock down the power of, of a spiritual lifestyle that Johnny uh, held so close. Yes, I really enjoy the film. And Thank you. Um, uh, what struck me is he was in prison, right, for a while himself as an inmate? Very limited. Okay, I, think. I was just yeah. curious as to how long that was. And also uh, his rehab was obviously his music. But did he receive any sort of rehab while he was at Folsom Prison or during the, the prison that he served? You know, I think his time in prison was very, very limited. But I think emotionally, he, with the addiction, he, he was in his own prison. And, and the idea of going to Folsom, standing before an audience, and, you know, I, I always was amazed that he brought his dad along to the Folsom Prison. Um, and the idea of taking a prisoner out of the audience, it always felt very um, Southern Baptist, saving someone right from the crowd, pulling them up, making the declaration. And also standing before the prison crowd and looking at them and understanding that you have that equal uh, level of darkness and demons in your own life, whether it's addiction. And Johnny definitely connected. But also having the power and the drive to try to reach out to someone uh, through gospel and other music and the light. So um, Johnny's rehab, I, I, I don't go into the details of it in the film, but Johnny did spend his whole life in uh, uh, an attempt of recovery. Um, I don't think I ever comprehended fully where he stood with all that, but um, there was different points that he went to, uh, like Betty Ford Clinic, and these are all things known. Um, I think he, he was constantly uh, 
in the battle of coming to terms with, with those demons. Hi, Tom. Um, Hi. Good to see you. Um, good to see you. I'd like to ask if I could swap jobs, uh, for starters, because I can't believe uh, you've had this amazing career uh, dealing with uh, not only Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley, and Bruce Springsteen. Do you see any link between the three? I mean, they're all quite spiritual people. Uh, is that the link, or is there anything that stands out about them that sort of somehow links them? I, I think the connection that I see with all these artists is uh, the, the, the focus of... Uh, Working with the music within their own lifestyle, uh, within their own life, and 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 how, you know, Elvis Elvis would have these sessions, recording sessions, and it was kind of hard to figure out with Elvis, but he had that same pattern of getting interested in something and trying a new thing sonically, and and Johnny Cash was the same way. Johnny Cash explored in the studio equally. Um, and this reminds me of Bruce, working with him right now. The, the latest album has this wonderful, you know, 30-piece orchestra, and, and, and the films that we've made together show that same sort of determination, but also that the studio is a way of life, where you, and, and writing, songwriting. Um, not that Elvis had that, but interpretation, um, Elvis had. So I recognize in all of them that drive, and, and at times, at, at, at times, being with Bruce, I'll uh, I'll just see a, a bit of Elvis moment in 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 the studio. Um, you know, whether it's perfecting a certain take and or or just the knowledge. Um, Johnny Cash knew the body of work from the ra the, the biggest thing is that all those guys um, early on in childhood connected to the radio. That was the secret source. That was giving them the sense of life. The radio, Bruce especially. So, um, yeah, no. Do, do you have someone, um, another musician in your sights for um, for another documentary? And last night there were a few suggestions around Tom Waits, Emmy Lou Harris. Yeah, I, I would love to do something with Emmy Lou Harris. Um, I, I, I'm hoping maybe to do something with the Beach Boys. Christian, thank you so much for that wonderful. Wonderful experience. Um, Thank you. I, there's so many different aspects that I really, really loved. I loved the central piece where he was had a show and the generosity with which he allowed other artists to really express themselves. Um, I'm nervous as hell, so I've forgotten actually other <laughs> things that I wanted to bring up. But um, the other part where he was resurrected by Rick Rubin, um, you know, those sort of people that bring these people to their second coming. And I just wondered if you could elaborate on, sure. um, on that connection. I love the idea that Rick Rubin comes in. Uh, you know, I love, I, I love the idea for a film uh, moment where uh, somebody has to get back in the ring and they have to remember who they are and what originally drove them to feel connected to the music. I always thought that the footage of Rick Rubin and Johnny Cash just playing in the living room reminded me of what I imagined Johnny Cash and Sam Phillips were like, where it's a microphone and, and just a guitar. 
And in that, it's pure, raw energy. And there's not a studio, there's not a record company, and there's not layering done by producers that make you go, is that a Johnny Cash song? You know, and the beautiful footage that I had with Rick, you see that he had this love you know, just the way he's listening to Johnny Cash play and his role in this, I wanted it to be bigger than just um, the story that kind of got out there that Rick Rubin came in. I wanted to really keep um, Johnny and June's story intact for those last months, especially. So I, I love I this notion that Johnny came back. I love the story that June said, you got to go back into the studio. You got to keep recording um, and I and I find that uh, Johnny and June and also that the influence of of Rick really bring the end of his life to me uh, to this special place of full circle exactly and and just the idea that um, he went out fighting last question Hi. Hi. Um, I'd be really keen to see you do a film on David Cassidy. Yeah. Good idea. David Cassidy from Partridge Family? Yeah. As an adolescent, I really could, I could show you a photo later. I just, I loved him and I, I really had yeah. the haircut. Me too. I actually run a fan club. He's passed away, but. I know. <laughs> Dave, and there's yeah, actually not, not much being done about him, really. I know, I know. I. Um, yeah, I was a hero for he was my hero for a long time. I just never got the haircut right, but I tried. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Tom. Thank you Thank everybody you, who stayed and, and your wonderful questions. <laughs>